Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. We're going to do this in one take, no edits, okay, Kim? Okay. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm being uh, joined today by the lovely Kimberly Lane from Dalrod or Dal Group, um, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on on the podcast. I know that you've uh, you've actually listened to it. You're one of the two regular listeners that we have for the original Half Dozen Things podcast, um, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure to uh, to have you join us. I'm usually used to, or I've got very used to interviewing people online via Teams, yeah. Um, but we're actually here in person at your head HQ, uh, which is based in Peterborough. So if listeners don't know who who Dal Rod are or Dal Group are, uh, please do have a look on on the internet and uh, and check them out. Uh, Kimberly's going to be uh, third generation uh, uh, director of the business and um, is is sort of well on the development journey. So I know that you've uh, had quite a bit of input with part of the Dal Group, which is the HD Teamwear brand, yeah. um, and building that up. So listeners might be a bit interested to hear about that. Certainly. Um, Kim has been providing branded workwear, branded safety wear and that kind of thing to uh, the Dalrod business and the franchises as well. So Dalrod, my understanding of Dalrod, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, that you've got essentially do do like drainage repairs, solutions, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's been built into a franchise and it's now... I don't know how many franchises you've got, but it's a, it's a lot now. Yes. How many franchises are we at? Do we're you know? Catching twenty, I think we're about eighteen now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and and you've got sort of fairly um, uh, fairly aggressive growth plans as well. From from what I can see as well, you're sort of heavily recruiting uh, people, and I think it's a fantastic franchise model as well for people who want to uh, to build a business. So I think it's a it's a great opportunity. It's certainly um, it's on the utility side of business, and it's one of those which is always needed, isn't it? So it's a, yeah. you know, come come uh, rain or shine, uh, there's always business there to be had. So, um, Kim, is it okay? Uh, obviously, I've given you a bit of a waffled intro. I think you could probably do a bit of a better job. Are you able to just sort of introduce yourself and um, a bit about your background, sort of what you've been doing uh, in your career so far? Yeah. So, um, Kim Lane. Uh, obviously, I uh, started at Dalrod. I've, I've known it my whole life, uh, being my parents' business. Started by my late grandfather, um, who passed away in 2008. Uh, since then, my, my parents have had the business, so I've always sort of been close and, and been around it. Um, growing up sort of through school, was very much my aim uh, to focus and be part of that business. Um, when you finally get there, I think things kind of change and you, you get to that age where it doesn't seem as appealing, but we stuck to it. Um, I've moved about a little bit, had a play around in the business. Um, I also had a play around with my own business, which is HD Teamwear, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a branding and embroidery print company based in Peterborough, uh, which is, is growing massively beyond my expectations. So yeah, I work in that in, in both businesses today um, and really getting on my journey at Dalrod. Yeah, nice. I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic that you've joined the joined the family business. So, how long ago was Dalrod founded? So it was founded in 1985, like yeah. I say, by my my grandfather and uh, grandma. Yeah. Um, he unfortunately passed away in 2008. Yeah. Um, quite surprising. My my dad was I don't know how old he was at the time. But it was sort of landed in his lap. He'd always worked in the business, but I think it came to him quicker than maybe he would have expected and, and hoped yeah. for. 
Um, so yeah, he took on the business with my mum in, in 2008 and they've, they've grown it from there. Yeah, got you. And what sort of size was it? How many people in 2008, just out of interest? Oh God, we, we had a small office over the road where, where you uh, sometimes work now. Um, I think it must have been perhaps five office staff. Um, and the business has changed slightly because we obviously were a drainage company first. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of my work is done within the franchise, the franchise or business. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they they were a much smaller office-sized company at least. Yeah, got you. So, and now we're up to 18, 20 franchisees. That's it, yeah. 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 So um, that's some massive growth in what, 14 years, isn't it? So it's not, it not is, very long, yeah. it's, it's, it's grown hugely. Uh, absolutely fantastic success story to, uh, to to come out of Peterborough so uh, it's essentially for for some of the listeners they might might not really understand sort of how a franchise works and I've not really interviewed many franchisors so are you able to just sort of explain how that that type of the business that side of the business works yeah so um, obviously we we have two businesses as such Dowrod in Peterborough we have the Dowrod drainage, drainage business and we have the Dowrod UK which we call the franchisor um, so the, the drainage business runs as one of our franchisees now, but obviously they're both owned by the family then ones. Um, we then sell the, the business model and, and exactly how to run that drainage business after the success that we had with Dalrod Peterborough, um, and we, we share that to others around the country. Perfect. Yeah. So that, that, that's uh, that. That makes total sense. And then you're involved with that franchise or side of the business, which I suppose you've got uh, uh, HQ full of people of varying disciplines who help support the franchisees franchisees yeah. i always get my franchisors <laughs> and my franchisees mixed up um but yeah so the as a franchisor you support the franchisees with sort of the head office operations so um so what sort of people do you have in your team here at that so we have the different departments we have sort of the, the key accounts which look after our, our large customers um it's a really busy department downstairs they're sharing out the jobs to all the franchisees getting all their paperwork in order and helping that from start to finish. Um, again, we, we cover the account side of things, so we do all of the invoicing here at, at head office. Um, we have our franchise sort of operations team that it's, yeah, that's a busy little department looking after the whole operation and it's just, it sounds more simple than it is to sort of hand out the business and, and give someone to run with it, but to make sure that, um, that the brand is, is represented exactly how we, we aim for it to be is, is a tough job. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's important, and I know that you've got sort of health and safety people downstairs, marketing people, um, who do do sort of various roles in uh, in the business and help support the franchisees. And the thing is, with the franchise model, is you often get people who buy into the brand with uh, with the investment, but they may not have much experience of running a business for a, for for a long time. Or you know, all varying levels of experience. So you've got to be able to help support that and make sure they get a return on investment as well in the, in the brand, but also that they're representing your brand in the right way too. So that's really important. Okay, cool. So um, are you able to just tell me a bit more about HD Teamware? When did uh, did you found that? That was your that's your baby, right? It so is, tell me yeah. a bit more about HD Teamware. It is. Um, my parents actually it, it came about when my parents owned the ice hockey team in Peterborough. So uh, they own the Peterborough Phantoms. And we were constantly looking for suppliers of the, the team wear, and we couldn't find it. So at the time, we, we thought, let's go and source it ourselves. So we started just sort of um, sourcing from a factory in Czech at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we sourced the things, and then slowly we started looking at the, the clothing to sell off the ice for the fans and stuff and buying it. And it's just the unreliability. You're, you're paying premium for it. Again, let's let's train up and do it ourselves. So we bought some of the machinery, trained up, and again we just worked for ourselves at that time. Um, and then people were catching on, uh, asking how we could do it. 
uh, if we could do it for them as well. So we slowly looked at the model. I mean, the ice hockey market in England is not not the biggest, so we sort of looked at, do we really want to make this a business it's, or are we serving ourselves? Um, so I made the step to, yeah, to make that a business and now we cover more work where more branded PPE. Obviously, we have the embroidery and the printing here in, in Peterborough, so... No, it's really good fun. I really yeah. enjoy that side of the business. Definitely. I think um, for people listening, if you want uh, branded workwear or, or branded teamwear, for example, even if it's a sports team or, or for your business, particularly the PPE, I think there's a fantastic range of products. And um, I've been really impressed with, with Kim's range We're, for, for flagship. The brand's really important to us as well and making sure that we present ourselves nicely. And, um, you know, sometimes sometimes the workwear uniform can be a bit fuddy-duddy, can't it? And yeah. uh, I love... I love the the way that you have sort of brought that to life. And uh, yeah, if you have a chat with Kim, uh, what she's able to do is like, uh, she does like your own little, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Is it a prospectus? Yeah, it's like a mini catalogue, essentially with like the different products that you can choose from uh, to help the the team from baseball caps through to high-vis clothing as well. I think it's uh, it's dead smart. Everything you think that a drainage engineer would need to to wear, essentially you're able to provide, right? From hard hats all the way through. Yeah. so uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity, even down to like branded stationery as well. Uh, so uh, I've certainly got my uh, little flagship notebook with Pete written on it. Uh, I actually mislaid it at customers the other day, which oh has been embarrassing. Goodness. That reminds me, I need to go and uh, get it because there's certainly some sensitive uh, information from from my side. Fortunately, it isn't any customer information, so that's good. <laughs> it's only just my own personal notes. So, um, but yeah, fantastic. Okay, so Kim has kindly prepared a half dozen things for us today, um, and I'm really interested and excited to get delved into those so the first one's around communication the second is trust and relationships the third is family values fourth teamwork uh five don't take it personally and sixth is patience so really really interested to start hearing about these so oh before i start though i did forget i was going to probe you a little bit more on the ice hockey tell me a bit about uh sort of your ice hockey journey i know um sort of your parents owned uh phantoms for a while and uh and so you've sort of come up through there but certainly you're, you're mixing time between uk and sweden at the moment as well right i am yeah so i'm actually based in Sweden um I would say home is there I met my partner over there a couple of years ago uh, we, we bought a house and sort of haven't looked back um but I am sort of back over monthly every four weeks I pop over and uh, yeah hoping for a sponsor by Ryanair while we're here today <laughs> that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> but um no yeah so the, the hockey I started when I was about eight or nine years old um and it just became a lifestyle I was fortunate enough to, to travel the world I've been to more countries than I can count um, I actually lived in Switzerland as well. I played pro over there. Uh, when would that have been? From about the age of 19, 18, 19 to 20. I played a couple of years of, of pro hockey, which as a female athlete, I think is was really great fun. It's awesome. An awesome yeah. opportunity, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I played in Peterborough. I played in, in Bracknell in England, went over to Switzerland and then finally ended in, in Sweden where I finished my career there. Cool, cool. That's dead cool. And um, so you, do you still play at all now or, or not anymore now? No, not anymore. Focus on business now? Yeah, I mean, actually in Sweden they have like a, a company hockey, they call it, which is networking hockey. So in England where you'd normally go for like a round of golf, yeah. they actually play hockey and then you have breakfast and, and network afterwards. That's dead cool. So we do that sometimes. That is dead cool. And what's Sweden <laughs> like to... Uh, yeah, well, Sweden like to live. It's like very clean and I know it's quite expensive as well, right? It is, yeah. But yeah, you, you get what you, you pay for there. Um, no, it's a lovely country. I feel really safe. 
Um, mm -hmm. It's really pretty. It's, it's The weather's a little bit up and down, but yeah. no, I love it. So have we got Dalrod Sweden coming soon? Is, yeah. that, is that part coming of the plan? <laughs> announced on the podcast. Yeah, Just yeah. let Dad know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so gonna, is he going to have apoplexy when he <laughs> listens back? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Dave. Um, yeah, shout out to Dave. I've tried. I've tried to get Dave on the podcast numerous times, but um, he, I think he's a bit. He's a bit shy. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if uh, he's not. He's not a big fan of uh, coming on. So, um, but Dave, we're keen to have you on if you're uh, if you're interested and you're listening. I think Kim's doing a fantastic job though. So you've got to try and uh, live up to uh, to live up to the family expectations <laughs> that Kim's setting. Um, yeah. So uh, brilliant. Yeah. So I, lo I love ice hockey. What's what's uh, women's ice hockey like in comparison to men's? Is it um, is there a much disparity between the between the sexes or is it you know growing like football is how, how is that I think it's growing perhaps slower in this country than than Sweden are quite far ahead with that um all the games are sort of played on tv you can you can wow. watch all the top league games um I think that the um physicality of it mm -hmm. that's obviously a different aspect and, and it, you kind of watch a different game when you watch women's hockey the same as women's football it's mm -hmm they're creating their own sort of style of game so cool. I really enjoy watching it I think that the players are really skilled and mm. yeah no, it's, it's yeah, going Jim, in the right direction I, I see from a football point of view I see a lot of the, the women's football is technically impressive in comparison to the men's and essentially the, the, the real difference is in the physicality potentially the speed that kind of the thing speed yeah yeah um, okay Brill Brill cool right so let's get on with the half dozen things I can remember the first one which was communication yeah. tell me why Kim communication is important for you I think a lot of this stems from obviously living living in Sweden. I run at least the HD team where I'm a lot more hands-on. Darwood, we have a lot more people um, to run the business here in England as well. So, But for HD team where communication is, is just everything. Um, the, since COVID happened and being on teams, it kind of did me a whole favour of you can work that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, to communicate, I think every problem that we have in, let's say in the Darwood business, whenever we a, a problem hits our table and we sit as a team and look at that the key element that sticks out is communication every single time um, mm. and it's a lack of yeah. in, in so many different ways so I just think if you can get that right you, you have a fantastic business so for me that's something that you're constantly working on I don't know anyone that's got it perfect um, yeah. but it's, it's huge yeah, definitely. There's always there's always scope for improvement and uh, evolving the way we work. I think it's it's interesting. You mentioned how sort of COVID has had that impact with um, you being based in Sweden and people have become much more comfortable with remote working, haven't they? And then working on teams and that kind of thing too. Um, I would have thought, and, and, and just just a question for you, really. Historically, and I've worked in businesses similar to Dalrod in in my past. And generally speaking, people people in businesses like this often think you need to be visible for you to demonstrate that you're working yeah right so do you have that kind of challenge because you you could you can quite easily work full-time on this business in sweden and not even come back um, and you could be absolutely successful productive and have genuinely high impact on the business as well have you had sort of issues with people's perception of what you're doing when you're remote from from the office for example not that I've really noticed actually I think because okay. I came into the business at COVID times where everyone was out of the office um, mm -hmm. it wasn't any different than what they were doing whether they were in their house in Warrington to where I was in Sweden it was we weren't seeing each other yeah. um, I think like I, I try really hard with the communication I'm constantly on teams constantly on my phone and just trying to speak with the team in in work ways but also in in personal ways too mm -hmm. um, 
but no, I haven't. I haven't experienced anything yet. Whether they say it behind my back, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's all positive. I'm, but, uh, I'm, I, I certainly, uh, I've delivered some some training here with some of the leadership team, and it's always it's always positive about the leadership team. So uh, yeah, there's no no challenges there. Um, so okay. So secondly, uh, we've got trust and relationships as the second area. So uh, tell me a bit more about how that fits into your business. Yeah, I think again that that links to sort of the communication. Um, specifically for me for being away um, my HD which is my little baby I sort of leave in the hands of Andrew and Amelia who do a fantastic job by the way shout out to them um, but yeah it, it's just that trust and to get the trust I think you need to build that relationship mm-hmm. um, and I, I, that's one part of the business that I really enjoy doing especially in Darrod as well I love getting to know the franchisees I think you get such a wide variety of people all with the same goal mm-hmm. and they just want different ways to get there and I love them, yeah, when we have the conference events and, and getting to know them, people building the relationships. That's probably a, my favourite part of the of business. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, cool. So tell me a bit more about the uh, the conferences then. What 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 is that? What what happens there? Yeah, so we had the the first one, not the first one, but the, since we grown, because we, we grew quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So the number of franchisees drop, uh, jumped from maybe five or six to the 18 that we had at the last conference. Um so we, we get everyone together one day of the year at the moment, um, meet in a hotel. We have loads of great um, guest speakers and, and people come in for the franchisees to listen to, to help them with their business, give them advice. Um, we also talk a little bit ourselves. Again, it's just that day of building relationships. Nice. And then we have a, a nice evening meal and, and sometimes a guest speaker there too. It was Eddie the Eagle last year, actually. Eddie the Eagle? Yeah, which I had no idea who he was before he came in, but I had to like Google. Um, <laughs> but it was, he was really good. That's dead cool. Uh, yeah, uh, so those people who do need to Google Eddie the Eagle, to be honest, I don't know a lot about him because I'm probably a bit young, but I think he was like the first English ski jumper, I think, wasn't he? And yeah. I think he's famous for being terrible. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's There's a film and everything, I think. I've not watched it, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, was he a good speaker, though? He was really good. Was he? Yeah, I'd recommend him, definitely. Did he talk about being terrible? Yeah, <laughs> like he, he admits it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. But he tried really hard. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's important. Yeah. That's a, that is important. No, fantastic. Okay, cool. So um, obviously trust and relationships. So the, the, the trust comes off the back of having a solid relationship with people. So you've got Amelia and who was it? Sorry, runs and HD. Andrew. And Andrew. So shout out to these guys. They run HD team where physically when you're not about so how do you how do you sort of manage that do you um sort of let them let them to it just sort of uh give me a bit of an insight into sort of your your sort of leadership style with that yeah so i think it took a bit of time um i think we have an average age in hd which is quite impressive of about 23 wow so yeah we're all pretty young um but i think that's that's really great fun and i think it's a, a nice usp for the business that we're young we're modern um and we have these different ideas um, cool. But yeah, so when we're away, it's FaceTime, Teams, and and text message, and I'm pretty sure they hate seeing my phone, come, my name come up on their phone. Um, <laughs> but no, we we talk every day. Um, we are setting as my Darrod work has got busier since the new year. Um, those guys really have stepped up, and they are yeah, it's it's really laying off the amount of impact that I have in the business, and yeah, finally stepping back as hard as it can sometimes be. Yeah, that's really cool that you've been able to sort of tether that back and be able to to grow Andrew and Amelia into being able to sort of run that without your your the need for your input as your responsibility with Dalrod's grown over the past sort of three months or so. I yeah. think that's uh, that's really really interesting. So um, okay, cool. And then has it been difficult for you as like third generation uh, business? 
um, you sort of stepping up into, I think your role is director designate. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, obviously you're following mum and dad's footsteps, grand grandparents' footsteps too. Yeah. How how is that for you? What what does that feel like? I think it's quite a lot of pressure. Sometimes when you step back and think about it, when you're in it, you, you don't see that. Um, but stepping back, it is quite a lot of pressure. Um, I think I'm really fortunate for the opportunity my mum and dad give me. Um, yeah, it's crazy that, that they do that sometimes. <laughs> but no, it's, um, I'm really honoured to have that. Um, I think my dad reminds me of the stat of third generation. I can't remember what it is. Um, but he often reminds me it's not a good one. Oh, really? Right, OK. <laughs> but I'm determined to beat it. And uh, yeah, so I think... I think I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity. My dad, um, his dad passed away quite suddenly. So he sort of landed the business and his dad never got to see him do it. And I think I always question him, like, why do you want to leave it so soon? He's just sort of 52 at the time and he's keen to, to step back in yeah. the next few years. Um, and I think he's, yeah, really happy to see me and support me have yeah, the business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is, is a totally different way that he got it. And I'm, yeah. Definitely. I think, um, I think, I think he's, Obviously, he's quite conscious. I think it must have been a real shock to have had to take it on so quickly, um, yeah. and 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 to have to have to run it as well. So, um, I think um, fair play, fair play to want to sort of wind wind back, sort of relatively early speaking. And obviously, he he must have a lot of trust and faith in uh, the team and the people around as well to be able to to be able to do that. So, um, okay, so obviously you must sort of feel feel the pressure a little bit with that. I don't know what the statistic is around third generation, but I I, I assume there's like this. Uh, sort of stereotype of that you've come into you've sort of grown up around a business that is successful and yeah. it is growing and that sort of you've not you've not necessarily seen seen the growing and um I, I sort of think and reflect on what that must be like or would be like with flagship for example because we've kind of started from you start from nothing and then you sort of start to grow the business and it's been it's been sort of a real challenge so I suppose there's a bit of a worry around essentially you taking it for granted I suppose but I suppose you're already conscious of that right so you're never really going to take that for granted anyway you know you're coming into a business that's thriving yep. but essentially as long as you continue to follow the model and evolve and grow there's not going to be an issue right no yeah exactly that's that's the way you've got to look at it but it is that you don't see that struggle that they sort of had mm. um my mum was in the business from when since she was about 14 15 mm -hmm. um so she's sort of been on the whole journey with them as well yeah. um Okay, so apart from apart from um, obviously feeling a bit of pressure, is there, you know, what 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 would your goals be? I know that this sounds like a job interview. I don't mean <laughs> it sound like a job interview at all. But for the next sort of five ten years, what what would you think would be a good sort of growth plan for for the Dell Group? I think to saturate the UK is okay. that is our biggest aim over the next sort of five to ten years. Um, we do have obviously the 18 franchisees around the country, but to fill some gaps in that would be a real benefit to the group. Um, and then, yeah, just to explore some other things. I think I've always, yeah, I want to be better than my mum and dad. <laughs> so there's <laughs> a little bit, of there's a little bit of competitiveness as well. Yeah, no, I think, I think I'm, I'm really, um, yeah, really keen to to keep yeah, it going, to improve okay. it, and, and yeah. Cool. And Dalrod Sweden, right? That's the plan. <laughs> Dalrod Global. <laughs> I reckon. World domination. Dave, you heard it here first, You could have mate. some nice trucks in Sweden, though, that's for sure. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. And um, I think, uh, I don't know, I couldn't, 
so I couldn't imagine it sort of blows my brain even thinking about starting to try and take flagship into another country I just think that that hurts my brain too much to even think about it really but what I what I admire about the franchise concept is that I think it's quite a solid business model isn't it because you build the brand you build the model and then and then you've got people around the country because one of the things that companies are challenged by is how do they maintain control and standards uh, geographically when you grow the business but franchising is such a nice way to do that because the people who are helping to grow it are so invested in it personally as well aren't they so they want to see it succeed too and, yeah and, and they benefit from that the family values and that come in is, is all of our franchisees sort of buy into that and yeah. we have a fantastic network that really um yeah they buy into Darwood for, for what Darwood is and they have the same um, sort of view on that so they represent yeah. us fantastically around the country which is fantastic perfect okay so uh, that that is the third area so we're moving on to sort of family values and obviously you've given us some insight there family interestingly so I've been doing a bit of work um, on uh, on NLP have you heard have you come across NLP at all no. no so some of the listeners may not have heard of that but um, I had a I had a guest on recently called Bevis Bevis Moynan and um, he is an NLP coach and facilitator facilitator get my words out um, and we've been doing a bit of work together for the past nearly 12 months and um, it's a little bit it's a little bit like therapy but it's around uh, neuro-linguistic programming and it's a bit it deals with those that have read um, uh, the chimp paradox for example uh, it deals with that that pattern that we run that we've grown up and the patterns that we run and understanding when we tell ourselves stories and stuff like that we sort of start to unravel that sort of thing and um, what it also deals with is understanding what what our values are as people and we've been doing a bit of work around that and a bit of work around uh, the business and the values as well now actually my highest value is family so okay. that that's the thing that so value motivator whatever you want to call it that that is what motivates me most is around family and i think that's probably why I've, why i'm drawn and i love working with dalrod i love working with the, the group because there is such a family value it's such a family business um and, and it's also a shining example of what a growing family business looks like as well um i think i, I find it really inspiring so um it's interesting that you put family values on there. What does what does that mean for you? What what are family values, and how do you embed that in a growing business that's sort of looking to go national? Yeah, I think a lot of it's sort of the understanding and the empathy for the mm -hmm. for the people around you. Um, so treating them how, how you want to be treated, um, being fair, I think is a, is a massive thing. Um, work is is a huge part of our lives, but it's not everything. And it's, it's that work-life balance that we're definitely trying to work on at the moment. Um, I think COVID made everyone realise that a little bit. But yeah, the, I think the family values, we're obviously a family ourselves. Um, and yeah, we, we make it one big family at Dalrod. But no, I think it, it's hard to pin it down exactly what I mean by those in, into just words. It's more the behaviour and, and the view around the office. Yeah, and I think... I think it's really visible when you when I come into the office and when I whenever I deal with the, you or any of the team as well you you've got this vibe like I go over to the the Peterborough business side so at, at Dalrod you've got like HQ one side of the street and then you've got the the, the actual Peterborough Dalrod business yeah. uh, the other side and I go in and I've done some work with Jim who's like the the, the site manager there and um, your mum Joe she's like in the office with him and it's just like there's such a nice family feel I, 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 and I love that and I think that sort of breathed through the business but I think it's um, what's important with family is, is 
obviously you've got that level of empathy and understanding, but you've also got that challenge as well. You've got that challenge around making sure you're supporting each other, making sure you're bringing your best, but also understanding that you've got a work-life balance. And that, that must be quite challenging. And that's sort of where I'm heading with the next question because because the type of work you do um, with with sort of drainage and that kind of thing, it can be a 24-hour business. Yep. So it, that could be a real challenge. How do you... How do you look to sort of manage that with with the work-life balance? It must be quite challenging. Yeah, I think everyone's got to have that teamwork and working together. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it is it when someone rings the phone because they, they've got sewage spilling everywhere, you're on hand to, to get it sorted ASAP. And I think it's just that understanding. People have worked in the business um, for quite a while. They, um, they just support each other. We try and work um, in the office. We now have some hybrid work in. Um, but no, it is the team downstairs. They really do pull together and, and support each other to to get a job done. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your fours accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today. Awesome, awesome. And um, I think uh, we, we were sort of talking about the company uh, values recently as well. And um, we're sat in the boardroom here and you've got the Dow Group values, which have been rolled out across the business. Yeah. And that, that all leads towards um, helping drive the values through the business and the way that people behave as well. What's um, Obviously, when, when a business grows, it could be quite challenging to sort of make sure that those values are embedded. How do you see, uh, sort of whilst we're talking about family values, how are you seeing um, rolling out and maintaining uh, values within an organisation, particularly a fran- franchise uh, business where you've got sort of geographically a large group of people? Um, how do you help to sort of embed those values through the business? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our main focus is we, we've really heavily focused in them sort of this year since working with yourself. Um, it's just talking about them, it's just embedding it, it's behaving like it from the top. Um, I think it's really important that we lay, lay the foundations down um, and the team have really bought into the whole thing. We, we do the prizes and we have the team vote for each other on value, behaviour and, and acknowledge each other. Um, but I think the main thing is leading that from the, from the top. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How 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 did that go down? So interestingly, for listeners, we did some work recently around uh, sort of bringing the values into the business, and then you've got this uh, this mechanism now where people can vote for each other. Not it's not like a, an employee of the month. It's it's actually around um, people who demonstrate the company values or, or live the values in a certain way. They can be nominated for something specific they might have done one month, which really sort of lives the values. And it's it's a great way of helping to embed them through the business. How's that sort of gone down? Because that's quite a recent thing. What, what, what happened? Yeah, people took to it really well, actually. I think it's actually getting quite competitive. Um, okay, which <laughs> so is always good. Yeah, the next one's coming soon. So um, yeah, I think it was a nice, and the people, even because we shared like the nominations, what other people had said about um, people who, who were nominated maybe didn't win. And I think even the acknowledgement from a nomination did, mm-hmm. was really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was really nice to actually do as well. Love that, love that. Yeah, so um, sometimes like, uh, and we, you know, part of working on values and working on motivators and that kind of thing, sometimes just recognizing, even if some, 
the competition's great and competition is great, but also just recognising that people have done great work is fantastic, isn't it? And having that opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, I think massively. And then that, that drives drives better work all the time and drives goodwill and what, what we call discretionary effort. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Which leads us really nicely onto your fourth, uh, fourth half dozen thing, which is around teamwork. Yeah. So um, obviously we're talking about some of the things that you've been doing to, to embed teamwork. Um, tell me a bit more. Let, let's use a slightly different example. How have you implemented what you've learned or has what you've learned as part of being pro ice hockey? How have you or do you look to try and implement that as part of teamwork within the business? I thought that would be an interesting take on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's crazy how much sport can relate to, to business and how I finished playing hockey um, two years ago, and I'd been playing it since I was eight, so I'd played for like 15 years. It was crazy to just finish one day. Um, but because the business was so busy and I was enjoying it, it was so easy to step away from that because I had my team off off the ice was like having a team on the ice. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think it's such a good, sort of you can combine them together so well. Um, it's one of my favorite things. I don't think I could work in a business on my own. I think the team downstairs at the team of the network really makes everything enjoyable for me so I think it's so comparable mm-hmm. um, just the way you support each other I mean in hockey you um, cover a position if someone's gone out or you you cover them in here you you cover someone's sick sick mm-hmm. work or if they're too busy you you get in there and you just get the job done so awesome. yes yeah, that shared that shared experience as well is um, it sort of bring brings people together and, and helps drive teamwork as well but that that's it's a really interesting take on it thinking about because when I sometimes, or historically, when I'd have thought about a team and my sports team, because I think uh, like back to my days of football and that kind of thing, and you think about the camaraderie and the the lads having banter and hiding each other's pants and <laughs> you know that that kind of stuff, um, you know, throw, throwing each other's socks into the shower or something <laughs> like that, so they've got wet feet for the for the rest of the day, you know, Sunday league football, you know, I was never of a standard like you obviously were for uh, for hockey, but. Um, I think uh, I think about that, and I think, oh wow, that's really unprofessional. Um, but actually, there's um, there's so much value in having that 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 banter as well, as long as it's on the right, you know, on the right side of things, to be able to have fun and have have banter at work because people people really love getting involved in that and having that shared experience. So yeah, that's think, quite interesting. Yeah, I think the, the teamwork happens without people even realizing it's there. I think it, again, it's from them relationships. That you work as a team without really realizing you it just feels second nature to cover yeah. that position or to to do whatever you need to do to yeah. to get the job done got you okay um so I've got a bit of a curveball for you because I know in the next session that I'm doing with and I think this might lead into the fifth area actually around not taking things personally yeah. um and that that it links nicely with teamwork as well so um, one of my questions, I think, is next week I'm going to be sitting down with some of the managers in your business and talking about conflict resolution and we're dealing with conflict and managing conflict. Yeah. Um, and we'll be doing that as part of a part of a training session with them. So, um, how does conflict occur in in the business? And and obviously, how do you feel that the teamwork and not taking things personally? How does that sort of contribute to sort of reducing conflict in the business? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we face all the time. I think it's it's quite healthy for it to be there as well. Uh, I'd say some of the conflict probably comes in our business with uh, sort of the busyness and where resources can come from at that time and, and where to focus first. So everyone's putting their hand up for it to be them mm-hmm. um, and that can cause some conflict between them. But I think 
um, again, it, it links back to our first one of communication. Mm-hmm. If people sat down, talk and understand, I think, um, and that's happening more within the business as we're working on the values. Mm-hmm. People are understanding and being more empathetic. And it's, I think uh, some of the feedback that I've had is people now understand what other people are doing in their role. Yeah, yeah. And they can actually understand why perhaps they were acting in a certain way or, or said said one comment. Yeah. Um, so no, I think it is, it's all about the communication again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and absolutely, yeah, it, it totally rounds back to communication. Um, I think uh, conflict naturally will always occur in most businesses because to be to be profitable in a business, you need to be lean. So I always have this take with people of there's always going to be a level of conflict because people, people need to feel stretched and then stretch creates stress potentially. Yep. And then stress can create conflict. Um, but uh, it's, it's like you say, teamwork and communication and those kinds of things that's how that's how we sort of work through empathy um we've been doing a bit of work around around empathy with um the managers and i think it's been great going through that sort of management program with them around sort of developing understanding of different departments and interdepartmental understanding because sometimes you can create like this silo effect of oh well marketing don't do this or accounts (laughs) don't do that or you know all that bs that you get in businesses and and it's happening up and down the country and in fleet businesses or 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 whatever it may be from department to department but essentially if you sort of build that that empathy interestingly something we're going to look at and uh, it's maybe for another podcast but part of the conflict resolution is you look at this like dual model of assertiveness against cooperation so you've got different levels of assertiveness and a different level of cooperation so assertiveness is about me and about what I want to get out of something as an individual and where do I need that to be and your level of cooperativeness is understanding other people and what they need as well so and depending on the level of conflict and what it's regarding depends on how much assertiveness might be needed and how much cooperation might be needed so there's a bit of a bit of a science to it but uh yeah i i obviously i enjoy that sort of stuff so um tell me a bit more then take don't taking it personally that that's obviously quite an important one for you as it came up fifth um what sort of i've I've assumed there that it's meant around conflict but is that what you meant by that is there there sort of any anything further you wanted to add yeah i think it can work in sort of both sides of the business i think on the smaller side of hd it was very much around like the personal side of when i'd see like my friends or a a company that i knew and they were you'd give them a quote and they'd chose someone else and it was like it took me a really long time to figure out why or, or not even to figure out why just to understand and to swallow that that that's going to happen sometime and it's not they're not not choosing kim they're just not choosing that brand because they found something else that they like um and that i'm still probably working on that now Mm -hmm. um don't take it personal in here i think i'm a big one for feedback and i think playing probably the sports link into that is you can you can get something from your coach especially playing overseas um their english wasn't always up to scratch so you got some quite direct feedback Mm -hmm. um but just take it the right way it's um no one's here to be mean to another like no one's here to hurt one another it's just it's all constructive you don't like that word do you no 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 it's criticism i don't like <laughs> criticism. okay so i said something downstairs and like yeah. the group of managers told me off they were like pete said we can't say that like, yeah oh, so <laughs> just give people a little bit of insight so obviously having done a little bit of work with the managers so I, I just ask them to reframe constructive criticism because you're, people often say constructive criticism. And I, I just said to them, just try and reframe it as developmental feedback. So yep. by using developmental feedback, you kind of take that, 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 the criticism, the negative element away from it. Because when people say constructive criticism, 
they it automatically that gives a negative connotation to feedback whereas feedback's positive feedback's a great thing to have it's a um it should be seen as positive so i think sometimes it's just it's the nlp it's like the language it's the yes. it's taking it away from being negative and going oh that's really positive it's actually a gift someone's given me a gift by offering me feedback so yeah. uh i just yeah i asked them to move <laughs> away from it but they really jumped on it they were like yeah we're not going to use constructive criticism anymore they've yeah. been telling me off downstairs but no my partner's a, a hockey coach full-time and um so she she works in hockey all the time sort of coaching's one aspect of it but uh but yeah she uses the words like sort of feedback and feed forward oh, I like that. Yeah. so instead like you always feed back but you can also feed forward so it's it works in that way so i yeah. stole that one a little bit yeah i love that but i love feedback i think it's i've always quite liked receiving it because mm-hmm. you also get good stuff too yeah like no absolutely. one always gives you negatives so sort of yeah. the the one-to-ones and the stuff you have with someone and i love giving that too yeah definitely i enjoy that do you know do you know what one of the biggest development areas for me personally as a leader is i'm really bad at giving feedback and I know I'm really bad at it. And if if my team are listening, um, I'm I I pride myself on having really high expectations and and trying to de- drive sort of excellent performance. And I'm really proud of how the team perform and and how we're performing over and above what we should be for as a business. Um, but I'm I don't think I'm good enough at giving that that feedback. One of my colleagues, funnily, um, Sarah, if she's listening, Sarah probably wouldn't listen to be fair. <laughs> but if Sarah's listening, um, I told her that she'd done a good job once, and she said I so would. And she sent me a gif on WhatsApp of you know Will Smith as Han- at Hancock, the uh, superhero who can't give the policeman good feedback, and he tell he's get told that he's got to give him good feedback, and he goes good job, pats him <laughs> on the back, really wooden. Uh, she sent me a gif of that because of how unnatural it was for me to tell her that she'd done a good job, which is again fantastic feedback, isn't it? Because obviously I can take that and make sure that I. Uh, try and be a bit more natural about the way I do that I'm really surprised at that actually yeah yeah yeah. so well it's um I think I think when when I recognize that feedback's needed I can do it really naturally but sometimes because I think sometimes because my expectations are really high I kind of just shrug my shoulders and go I kind of (laughs) expect that anyway (laughs) but actually like people need to be told that they've done a good job you know like that's so important so uh, it's it's um it's a development area for me the one that i really try and focus on anyway anyway i've massively digressed because not taking it personally that really resonated with me what you were saying about hd teamware and people choosing to use other businesses and that kind of thing yeah um wow i've been on a real journey with that that's <laughs> When you when when you go and set up a business, you you just expect like all your friends, all your family, everyone's going to buy your shit. Um, they're all going to be jumping over themselves to help support you, and actually, no one no one really gives a fuck, you know. No. And um, they're just going to buy what's best for them. And uh, I chat about this. I'm seeing my friend Ben um, uh, on Sunday, and Ben and I have like grown up together from primary school, and he runs he runs a farm shop in Cambridge. Okay very random um but he um him and his wife live live on a farm and uh, they've had the farm shop for for lots and lots of years and uh, we grew up around cambridge so i think we, we've talked about it a lot because right all of our friends all of his family they all eat right and he's got a farm shop <laughs> right and um but they all still shop in tesco's <laughs> right because it's convenient and it's cheap and all of those things and um 
Ben shared it with me loads of times before, but he gave me that as advice when I started because he'd been doing it for so long and he said, you know, people won't be bothered about what you do and that kind of thing. And you'll, it, he goes, it'll break you. Sometimes it'll feel like breaking you when your family don't come and f eat with you or they, you know, they don't come and buy your stuff um, because you just expect them to, to think about it because you're so heavily invested in what you're doing and you're yeah. so committed to it. And um, I didn't really understand what he meant until I was there and it's like, you know, you might be on Facebook and you see, you know, for us, for example, you know, I'm like literally, you know, early days fighting tooth and nail to fill training courses and to get people in and we're so sort of pumped on stuff. And then you see like a member of your family share a training certificate they've done like that you could have provided them with someone else and you're like, <gasps> and you spent all the time <sighs> talking to them. Yeah, about yeah, exactly. Them yeah. And, and yeah. like, they've just forgotten about it, right? They've just forgotten or they found it cheaper or whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, basically the the formula to get it right. But I don't know. I think people people will buy when when the offer's right and the time's right. And normally, what what you have to accept is either your offer wasn't right or the timing wasn't right. Basically, so yeah. um, and it's quite as simple as that. And generally speaking, they don't feel as emotionally connected to it as what we do. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely definitely really strong feedback there. Uh, okay, cool. So that's about not taking it personally. Um, next one, patience. Certainly, that's uh, something that I've needed to develop as well personally because um, we're all impatient, right? Yeah. So tell me a bit more about that. I think it's one for me personally. I'm probably not the most patient person um, in anything. And sort of when I was given the opportunity in the business, I was like looking really far away. But I think what I've learned to do is just be patient because a hundred things can land in your lap that you want to change, um, but you can only do a few at a time. So mm -hmm. just be patient. It's getting 1% better each, each step we move forward. So um, yeah, patience in, in yourself, patience with other people. Um, mm -hmm. Other people have a life, Kim. I can't do everything when you say say so. Um, so yeah, I think it's just learning. I'm still working on that. There's still times that you've, you're, you're quite impatient, quite impulsive. But yeah, I think for, for business, you really need to step back. And my dad always tells me something like, if it's too good to be true, it, it, it is. Yeah. Um, and he said that on a few occasions to me and he's always been bloody right. Um, <laughs> so again, it's Damn, just, dad. <laughs> is that patience and that research and just, yeah. I feel like it's one for me to work on, but it's, it's on the list. Yeah, I think um, really, really, really important. I think um, so. I, I, patience is a real patience is a virtue. It is a genuine virtue, and uh, it's something that I've often been challenged with. I, I don't know if it's the millennial in me, but you're not even a millennial, are you? You're like a zennial or whatever <laughs> it's called, a, a, a Gen Z. Is Gen Z? I'm Gen Y. Yeah, I'm Gen Y. You must be Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. ninety-seven. 97 yeah yeah definitely gen z uh wow wow i'm 11 years older than kim <laughs> anyway anyway we'll move on we'll move on stop making me feel old um so patience i um really really struggled with that and uh, a real game changer for me have you ever watched simon sinek's video on on millennials no, i'll have to show you after the podcast amazing um but yeah it, it's kind of we're a generation who have been sort of brought up on like instant gratification, like literal instant gratification all the time. Like literally we can, we like, I can, I can p take a photo of us having this chat now. I can post it online. I've got 
7,000 LinkedIn followers and all of a sudden I'll be getting these dopamine hits of people going like, comment, awesome, cool, blah, 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 you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I can just get this gratification straight away. And um, it's kind of not real though. Um, and uh, yeah, Simon Sinek talks about it really, really well. But I, I really struggled in that when I started out, I worked in a, a business probably not too dissimilar to this really but a company called Gladwin's Body Repair Centers and uh, in my 20s prior to that I'd, I'd done sort of other work with pubs and restaurants and that kind of thing um, but in my 20s working for them I I just wanted this constant like thirst for knowledge and development and things like that and I um, you know I was so impatient I wanted to become I wanted a manager role I wanted to earn more money yeah. and the owner just said to me uh, I think I was probably a similar age to you, actually. I was probably around, no, I was probably a bit younger. I reckon I was about 22, 23. And um, I went to the to the gaffer and I said to him, I want a workshop controller role, I want a manager's role. You know, I'm, I'm the best estimator in the company. I had such a high opinion of myself. Uh, I probably was. And if any of my old colleagues are listening, I think I still hold the record for best sales. But anyway, um, I went to him, I wanted manager, and he just looked at me and he said, Pete, he goes, just slow down, he said. I'm not interested in you becoming a manager until you're about 30. And literally, like that was like the worst thing anyone could have yeah. said to me. It was like literally like, <gasps> you mean I've got to put up with this shit for another seven years? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, so I was just like, no way. I'm not waiting around for that. So um, I left, right? Which is like bold. That, that was pretty bold. I left and I took, I actually took a worse paid job uh, but at a national company called Nationwide Crash Repairs, and I became a workshop controller. And the difference was was my basic for the estimating role, which is a, was in that business was a bit of a sales role. So I'd get commission and sort of that sort of thing, and there was bonus to be made. And I had a company car, and yeah. I sort of forego the company car, start travelling to Peterborough from Cambridge, uh, took the workshop controller's role, and um, started managing the workshop, managing people, that kind of thing. And uh, it. it it paid off right so I then got given a relief manager's role with uh, one of the other depots I had to travel to Lincoln for it um, and then probably at the age of around 24 because I was only there about a year yeah. I got a phone call from Harvey who said to me Pete we've got the general manager's role available at Peterborough are you interested and I was like but I'm not 30 yet Harvey <laughs> 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 and uh, he was like, are you going to be cocky with me or are you going to come in for an interview? And I was like, yeah, I'll come in for an interview. Um, so, yeah, I went back after a year sabbatical, but obviously I'd forced the hand a little bit with that. So sometimes, I, I guess the moral of that story is sometimes impatience paid off, but that could have just as easily not paid off for me. It could not have, have gone for me at all. Yeah. It did work out in the end, which was great. Um, but when it comes to sort of like building flagship, like I think early on I could have suffered less with burnout and challenge and all that sort of thing from literally I just I've always wanted things yesterday <laughs> and what I found particularly when I left Gladwin's the, the reason I shared Gladwin's was actually things happened quite quickly there because they were a relatively sort of small to medium sized business I think they were like 12 million pound turnover um, sort of regional type business I moved to yeah. Volvo trucks yeah huge Swedish based company as you know um, and then they have like this UK business and it was so corporate everything took forever to happen like decision making like god literally like 
I can pick up a phone and make things happen. I, I used to get really frustrated. I ran this depot and we had what was called Rex, which was their call, retail excellence, they called it. And it was their customer service feedback. And I'd receive, and part of my bonus was on that, but I wouldn't receive feedback for like three months from customers because that's how long it took them to process the feedback. Yeah. And um, everything just took so long. I found it massively frustrating. I was like, wow. And corporate careers are for some people that, you know, that, and that's fine. For, for some people, that's absolutely fine. But it definitely definitely wasn't my bag or I, I had great development opportunity I had loads of training and stuff like that so I'm forever grateful for the experience I got um, but it long term I couldn't you know they had people in that business who'd been working there for 30 40 50 years and um, I certainly couldn't manage that because I used to love being able to walk upstairs to the gaffer and I'd knock on his door and we'd have a conversation and, and shit would happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've just always had that sort of level of impatience, I suppose. So, um, But what I found with flagship is even now, I think some of my staff sometimes suffer because when when it was like just me or Mags and I, you know, we were really agile. I could make things happen really quickly because I'd just do something different. Um, but even now, as the team's growing, we're up to like eight people. Uh, obviously, we're still a, a, a very small business, but um, things even now things happen slower. And I'm like, oh, why hasn't that happened yet? I want this to happen. Um, and yeah, I'm always thinking sort of ten times ahead. So, did any of that resonate with you? Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> okay, totally cool. Agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then sort of rounding that back to the Simon Sinek video around millennials. So I watched that probably only like three or four years ago and I ju it just started making total sense around, it, essentially we've been sort of, uh, and, and people refer to like snowflakes and stuff like that, but actually uh, that is very negative. It's not not very positive thing to happen, but essentially... I've been and a lot of my generation onwards are really impatient because we're yeah. just so used to stuff happening really quickly and things being slow and what have you but business is slow sometimes it takes time that's the problem it's hard to get your head around because you watch it other people do it and it just looks so easy you don't mm. see inside people's struggles and I think that took me some time to really look into what mum and dad have faced what I faced myself and what when you look into other people it, it's not mm. as rosy as it might look on the outside so yeah I think patience is yeah, it's one that I'm learning. It's definitely a virtue. And and like the other thing is like people say like to slow down and just enjoy the journey because I I think what I've what I've realized increasingly is that in my head and I don't know if it was the way I've been brought up or or just me personally and that's the way I'm wired but you kind of have this thing of it will be okay when or you have like this destination where you want to be but you realize like when you hit that destination like there's something else that you want to achieve anyway. So it's yeah. kind of having it's kind of realizing that life is just like a load of like suffering and waiting and being patient <laughs> as you like trying to develop towards a goal and um actually you never really you never really realize it because essentially we, we're just wired up to progress all the time and always move so actually just like enjoy the journey a little bit more that's something i tell myself all the time anyway yeah i feel like i've just waffled on anyway there you go my life story as well <laughs> um Kim, it's been an absolute pleasure and we're through we're through um your half dozen things. Um how's it been? It's good. I definitely need to work on my public speaking. <laughs> I think the big headsets put me off, but um no. Oh, it's, I do apologise. Really I do apologise. Yeah, the headsets are uh, they're a little bit frustrating, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying to Pete, I think once you sit down and think of one or two and you're really struggling and then when you 
get the ball rolling you could come up with sort of a dozen a dozen things to talk about but definitely um i think you've picked a really cool half dozen things i think uh people have got loads of value out of that um so i do really appreciate it so kim the last thing for us to discuss is if people are interested to find out more about dalrod uh the company franchises that kind of thing how should they get in touch with you yeah so for dalrod they should check out the website uh, everything's on there that they'll need www.dalrod.co.uk okay. um, and then for myself it's uh, yeah linkedin facebook instagram just kim lane you'll find cool. me anywhere and what's your favorite platform I don't post on TikTok, but I can watch it for hours. Oh, really? I love TikTok. And there's actually, it's really gross. There's like drainage TikToks. Oh, nice. Where you watch them unblock a drain and it's really sick and twisted, but they're quite interesting. Once you watch one, oh. they're quite satisfying. Um, but no, I'm a big Instagram fan. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. So um, I'm such an old fuddy daddy like in LinkedIn, aren't I? <laughs> um, yeah, so if you want to connect with Kim, Kim Lane. And if people are interested in Teamware, where should they go? Yeah, again, uh, we're big on the, the Facebook and Instagram on HD Teamware, so it's at HD Teamware. Um, and yeah, you'll check us out, give us a message. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining me, Kim. Thank really, you. really appreciate it. I hope listeners have found that interesting uh, and insightful. I think uh, there's been some fantastic value and some real nuggets there. So thank you very much for joining me, Kim. If you've listened and you've enjoyed it, please do share it with people. Um, please do check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn. Obviously, Dalrod is the company that Kim's from and uh, do follow them. Make sure you uh, use them. If you get any block drains, you know where to call. Um, and uh, obviously, my business is Flagship Partners. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram too um i don't really do instagram because i'm a little bit old but certainly on linkedin or i'm pete rushmer uh half dozen things or check out the podcast fleet geeks too um yeah please do share it and uh, catch you soon take care i really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too please do share it across your social media channels we hope to reach more and help more people If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners, and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.